the iHeartMedia Complex on WTKS-FM, HD1, Cocoa Beach, Orlando. Available anywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app. Download it now. Groundbreaking. Critically acclaimed. And now, The Phillips File. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Yeah, it is. Hello there. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the start of the Phillips File. This one for Wednesday. That's Wednesday, May 9th, the year 2018. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jim Phillips. You know, on Wednesdays now, we've started this since the beginning of the year for the first 30 minutes of the program on Wednesdays. And we devote that time to uh, looking at the heroin and opioid crisis here in Central Florida. Today marks interview number, I believe it's number 10. As the Phillips file takes the first 30 minutes, as I said, every Wednesday to focus on the opioid and heroin crisis in Central Florida. Our guest today, two guests today, uh, Denise Holden, who is the CEO of an organization called Raise, and Joe, you know, correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong, I'm going to have a hard time with this, Joe. So after I pronounce your uh, your last name, we're just going to call you Joe. That's Joe Dimitrovic. Very good. Look at you. Is that close enough, Joe? That's excellent. Joe D is good. Okay. Joe D is good. good. Now, this is, uh, we're going to talk about the Rays Project, which uh, serves, uh, I believe, four counties in the central Florida area. But first of all, well, tell us about Rays first. What What is Rays? Give the audience an idea what this is all about. I understand it's a, uh, it's a recovery peer-run organization. When you say peer-run, what does that mean? So everybody who works at the RAISE project is from the recovery community, meaning they're either in recovery themselves or their family members or loved ones of people who are in recovery. So somewhere along the line, they were they 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 were addicted, or they were members of a family who's a family member who was addicted. Exactly. Why is that? Uh, Because we can relate better to people who are seeking recovery. They can relate better to us, and we can help them find their own pathway to recovery. Tell us about your backgrounds, uh, Denise and Joe, because it's my understanding in the couple of minutes I had before I came into the studio that you are recovering addicts. Is that right? Yes, that's Tell us your stories, if you don't mind. So uh, I'm a woman in long-term recovery. I started using drugs when I was in college. Okay. Um, Just started smoking marijuana. Uh, thought that was great, and then ended up going down the rabbit hole and ended up as an opiate addict. Uh, got clean uh, many years ago and started working in the field of recovery mm-hmm. uh, as a clinician in drug and alcohol treatment. And then about 17 years ago, I started the RAISE project. So when you say you went down the rabbit hole, you started recre- it was recreational drug use. And it was you just went, fun at you first. Went- yep. Been there, done that. Yeah. Uh, so, how long were you down in that rabbit hole, so to speak? About nine years with okay. the hard stuff. Yeah. And can I ask you what 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 happened? Where you said I got to do something about this, or does somebody come along and say, Denise, we got to do something about this? What happened? My mother came along. Um, I had tried to stay away from my family because I didn't want them to see how I was living, 
And my mother came to my home and she said, honey, why don't you come home for a while and go back to school? And Mm -hmm. so while I was there, she she knew something was going on. Mm -hmm. So she had me go see my family doctor, but she had already talked to him about there's something wrong with my daughter. Please help her. So when I walked in, he said he could tell that there was something going on with me. And I thought he could just tell by looking at me. And I started crying. It was an old time intervention before they were called interventions. And he got me into treatment the very next day. And what kind of treatment was that? I went to detox first for seven days Mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. And then I went from there to what was called a therapeutic community, which is a long-term treatment program. I stayed there for six months. It doesn't sound like wow. that was a lot of fun. It when was you not say fun therapeutic community, I, I, no. that doesn't sound like something I would, I, I would look forward to. No, it was not fun at well, all. Because of, because of the time, because the t- uh, those many years back, it was a different way of, of treating it was very, drug addiction. It was very confrontational. It's behavior it? modification. So they break you down and then they build you back up. But I'll tell you what, had I not had that opportunity to spend six months in a stable, controlled environment, I may not have been able to ever get clean because I was there probably two months before my head cleared enough that I realized no kidding. what was going on and that I could do this, that I could stay clean, that I liked the recovery process, that I liked who I was and that other people liked me without me having to do anything. I didn't have to give them drugs, get them high, give them money, anything like that. So once you came out of the rabbit hole, you didn't go back in the rabbit hole. We've heard from so many people, or or did you? I did one time. One I was time. clean for nine and a half years, and I relapsed on did heroin. Did you relapse because you want? You were looking for uh, just to get high and have a good time, or was it just no. one of the? Was it a, a, a pain and you wanted to, to 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 alleviate pain? What happened? No, I, well, kind of. I I was involved with a man that was using. Yeah. I thought I could handle that, right. and every time he used, I got a little sicker along with him, and then one time I just ended up using with him. But it scared me so much. It was so awful because I loved being clean. I loved being in recovery. It was the first thing I had ever done right that I jumped right back in. I used maybe eight times and came right back into recovery. All right, Joe D is the community relations uh, manager for race. Is that mm-hmm. correct? With that, that's the proper title, right, Joe yeah, D? Community outreach. That's good. All enough. right, tell me about your involvement. You're a recovering addict as well. Yes, I'm. Mean, is it? Is it? Is it? Once an addict, always an addict. You're always a recovering addict. Is that yes. true? Alcoholic, always an alcoholic or recovering alcoholic. Joe, my, is that right? My mother would term my my father was an alcoholic. My mother always said, my, "Your father has a drinking problem." She <laughs> would never refer to him as an alcoholic until finally, after he passed away, and I finally just said, "Guess what, Ma? He's an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic." So tell me your story, Joe D. Well, I uh, come from a little small steel town in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. a very ethnic community, and uh, I was I was raised church every Sunday. I was shown a pathway to a successful life, but by the time I turned 15 and started to experiment with alcohol and other gateway drugs, I, I, I put all that behind me and went, went down the path, similar to Denise, and I, uh, I used IV heroin in 1975, and I went nonstop. Till 1985. Wow, wow. 10 years so, on shooting up heroin? Yeah, yes, ma'am. Aye, aye, aye. And, uh, there was a few intervals there where I uh, I was arrested for interstate drug trafficking, yeah. possession, and all that, and that that still did not catch my attention. And it was finally till I, I had a child, 
And uh, my wife at the time was confronted by uh, her mother. We, we call it a 12-step call. So two, two other recovering addicts with lived experience came and told her the message of, you know, how to get clean. During that 10-year period when you were addicted to heroin, did you try to stop? Did you tell me the, because we've talked to recovering addicts and addicts, and they, they tell us their experiences of trying to stop. Uh, what, what about your experience? You knew, you, you yes. get, nobody wakes up, nobody wakes up and says, guess what, today I want to become a drug addict. Right. It's so much fun. I mean, I knew that sticking a needle in my arm was not a normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. So there were several times that either friends or loved ones would confront me, and then I would try the, uh, I would come to Florida for two weeks and take some pills and yeah. marijuana and drink. And I thought, you know, I'm doing well. And I would go back home and immediately go back to the same situation I was in before. So I've done that probably a dozen times right. on my own. And my recovery story is a little different than Denise. I did not go to inpatient treatment. I went to outpatient treatment. Actually, she did my very first intake when I went into mm-hmm. the outpatient treatment center. So I, I came through outpatient and went to mutual aid, 12-step meetings, and have been clean ever since. I mean, so I, you know, I want to take a look. I need to take a break in a minute, so then I want to get into the race program and what that's, that's all about. First of all, do we refer to people who are going, connecting with the race program as clients? Would that be, uh, how would you refer to them? We call them participants. Okay. And, and, and what reason is that? Well, clients is a term that they use in treatment programs. It's a more clinical term, and patient is the term that doctors use. So we consider the people that participate in our program participants. From both of your experiences and through the RACE program, what's the the level of the problem slash crisis that we have in Central Florida when it comes to heroin and opioid addiction? Is it static? Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Tell us what you think. At this point, I don't think it's getting any better yet. I think that they're trying really hard to do as much uh, prevention and intervention as they can, which is why they contracted with uh, programs like ours yeah. to, to try to intervene and, and get some help for the people that are, are stuck out there. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jody? I think that she's right on the head. I, I don't think it's getting better. I think we just put a Band-Aid on it, and you know we need to, uh, for lack of better words, throw more money into the prevention and uh, recovery aspect. Mm-hmm. What's your reaction? And we hear it, we'll get texts today. And we, every time we've had one of these interviews, we'll get people who text us and say, these are, these, you know, these are people who are just weak. Uh, they don't have a good moral foundation. Uh, they ought to just be able to stop on their own, just say no. And it goes on and on and on. I don't have a lot of use for people like that, but that's the reaction we get. So we want you to be able to counter to people who don't, understand this addiction is a brain disease um, and a lifestyle disease much like uh, diabetes or even heart disease so you wouldn't tell someone who's a diabetic you wouldn't say because they ate a piece of cake today that they're weak or that they we should just throw them away or Mm -hmm. we shouldn't give them any kind of treatment because they did the wrong thing it's the same concept it's the same kind of disease If you live correctly, your disease goes into arrest. If you continue to eat cake, not exercise properly, 
not live properly, not eat the right foods, then your heart disease or your diabetes will continue to forget, progress and eventually kill you. It's right. the same with drugs. Joe, what do you think? I, I would I would piggyback on that and also that uh, uh, some some people you can't convince, and but it's scientifically proven that it is a brain disease. So I I, uh, I don't usually waste a whole lot of effort in convincing somebody. They either right. get it or they don't. Right, exactly. And you either support or you don't. Do you ever have any desires, I mean, to use? I mean, people, you know, it, it differs from an individual craving. That's a good... Not anymore. I mean, I no. stopped drinking 10, 11 years ago. I, I, every once, same thing with cigarettes, just every once in a while, but it usually just goes away. Yeah, the, a fleeting thought may pass by, Yeah, but that's it. Was I, the getting off, uh, was the withdrawal process so horrific that you don't want to go back there because you know you're going to have to relive that withdrawal? We've heard that from a lot we of people. hear that over and I over and over. They're just, that again. they're just maintaining... Uh, the you know the sobriety so they don't have so to do that to, so they don't withdraw i mean they're just it's not so much alleviating pain or getting high for pleasure or anything like that they're so terrified of what they have to go through when it comes to withdrawal i mean i i certainly did not have a, a treatment experience or a medical detox with comfort meds so i was at, at home by myself with some benzos and alcohol and i like drank for three or four days and then i just just cold turkey. So I, I was very. What uh, was that like? We're not recommending that as a no. treatment, no. by the way. No, no. no. Right, that's not a good. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, a good yeah, we, I just want to make that very clear that Joe is not recommending that as a way to deal with with the person who has a particular addiction with heroin or opioids or opioids or anything else. It's not. It's not the way to go. Let me take a little break. When we come back, I want to start talking about the race program, what that's all about, and your involvement here in Central Florida. Joyce, uh, Denise Holden is our guest. Joe D is our guest as well there with the race program, dealing with the heroin and opioid addiction crisis here in Central Florida, serving a four-county area. It's the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. The Phillips File for our Wednesday. You know, every Wednesday we take the first 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, sometimes longer to concentrate on the heroin and opioid crisis here in Central Florida. Today marks interview number 10, Denise Holden and Joe D with the race program that covers uh, four counties in Central Florida. Denise is the CEO. Joe D is the community outreach director. And uh, let's talk about the race program. There's some other things I want to talk to you about but first of all let's explain to the audience what the race program is about all about that's r-a-s-e and it stands for recovery advocacy service and empowerment okay tell me more what do you all do so we started out doing advocacy work because there was a, a lot of stigma attached to the disease of addiction and insurance companies were denying people coverage yeah so we would go up on capitol hill and advocate on their behalves because they were in anonymous recovery programs and no one knew mm -hmm, that people actually mm -hmm. got clean and stayed clean. And over the years, we uh, uh, evolved into doing direct recovery support services. And those services consist of matching a person in long-term recovery with someone who's new to recovery. And that person in long-term recovery is considered a recovery specialist or a recovery coach. And they work with the people that are new to recovery to help them build recovery capital, and, and learn about the recovery process and develop the resources that they need 
to become successful and productive human beings. So they're in a recovery program. Yes. Somewhere along the line, okay, someone has said, here's what you need to do, and then they, and then they go to, to your organization, and you say, we can help your recovery further by connecting you to somebody who's, who's been what you're going yes. through, been through what you're going through yes. right now. And our services can happen before, during, or after treatment. So if someone's in a residential treatment program, we right. can meet with them before they leave there so that they have the support as they're coming out of residential treatment. If they're in outpatient treatment, we can work with them while they're in outpatient treatment to make sure they stay in treatment and that they go to their appointments and that they do the things that their counselors are recommending they do on their treatment plans. Now, these are peer counselors. Do yes. they have to be qualified at any particular, or they just say, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a recovering addict, I've been clean and sober, and I think I can be a counselor? Or do they have to go through some kind of process yes. where you say, wait, hold on a minute, you know, we're not just going to team you up with someone who's having an addiction problem? So we have a minimum requirement that people who apply have to have at least mm -hmm. two years clean. It, that means no drugs, no alcohol use. Um, and then once they come to work for us, we pay to have them certified. Uh, in Florida, I think it's called Certified Peer Specialist. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, 60 hours. 74. Uh, 74 hours yeah, okay. of training right. that they get, and then they become certified, and they have to recert every so many years to keep that certification active. How many of these counselors do you have? Uh, right now we have two here in, in the Kissimmee office. Okay, in the Kissimmee yeah. office. But you're also serving Orange, Volusia, and... Seminole, Seminole and sorry. Brevard. Okay. So we're going to expand into Brevard County. We just looked at property in Rockledge. Um, and so we're hoping to expand services there, and we'll probably have one or two recovery specialists there also. So just for uh, kicks and giggles, let's say I'm, uh, I've, um, I'm addicted to opioids. I'm addicted to heroin. Can I just call you? Yes. Or do I need to call somebody else and they'll refer me no, to you? you? I can, can just call you and say, I got a problem. Yes, you can call our office directly and we'll bring you in as, how about within a, a day or two. How about a telephone number just in case? Because we'll write that down. 407 518 1094. Okay. That's our office number in Kissimmee. How do, how, do, how do we get to where we are right now with this crisis in Central Florida? It's not just Central Florida, it's nationwide, but let's just talk about what you know about Central Florida. I mean, what happened here? I always thought the the use of heroin increased when law enforcement cracked down on the pill mills. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been differing opinions about that. What's your take? What, what do you think? Well, I, I think across the United States, the whole country was affected by big pharma pushing uh, pain medication. Um, yeah. And there being really no oversight to the amount or the, the, the dosages of it. And so a lot of people uh, became addicted that way. And then there are people who, you know, just started experimenting, taking pills out of other people's medicine cabinets or had an injury and, and were on pain medication mm -hmm. and then uh, developed a tolerance for it and started taking more and more. Um, and then there's people who, you know, just... Did the regular way, started with marijuana or alcohol, and then graduated to heavier drugs. So essentially, you know, whether it's for recreational use or whether they were trying to alleviate pain, I mean, these are essentially people who, you know, maybe wired a little bit differently where these substances hit a pleasure center and they, they, they're just quicker to become addicted or their addiction would be a lot harder than, than other individuals. 
I mean, they, they've always said that about alcoholics, that there's some kind of connection in their brain where it just they, you know, once they become an alcoholic, it's just hard. The pleasure center is so connected that it's very, very, very hard to just, you know, stop. Was it a pleasurable thing for you? I, I think the, you were doing it. Yeah, the uh, OUD opioid use disorder uh, was was prevalent in the seventies. I mean, I lived through it. But the uh, introduction to the uh, pharmacy medication, OxyContin, Percocet, allowed folks to experiment, sure. and it yeah. does not take long once you've tried the the opioid, you become addicted very very quickly. So I, I think that's a starting point for that and also you mentioned that once the 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 pill mills are closed then the heroin is cheaper so people go turn to street drugs versus uh prescription medication that's what we heard from one of the recovering addicts you know he was you know he had to engage in certain practices to get the money to buy the pills and then someone who was also addicted said what are you doing that for because heroin is a lot cheaper than a pill or the pills that you're buying, and he, he, he went he went that route. Or that what you're that's what you we're seeing as well. We have heard that from very many people. Yes, we're talking with Denise Holden and Joe D with the Race Project. That's R A S E. Give me that telephone number again, Joe D. In case you know we we hear from people all the time. They'll say, "What's that number?" Four zero seven. Yeah. Five one eight. 1094. Or people, of course, they can call 211. We hear that as well. Correct. Call 211, and uh, they will they will direct you as, as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think the 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 future of this particular problem is? Is this is this is long term, or hey, we're we're going to get a handle on this right around the corner? Whether it comes to the That's addiction crisis, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, just, no, I'm just asking. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I well, mean, I have no idea. Well, as, as a person in recovery. I think that there's uh, always light at the end of the tunnel. I see hope where other people might not see it. So I, I think that maybe this is an opportunity to collectively get together and form a, a strong collaboration within our society to, first of all, accept what's going on, destigmatize addiction, and become involved in the recovery process because it's a process versus there- just a quick, okay, 30 days treatment, you, uh, outpatient, you're better now. That's not true. And on all the interviews we've done so far, the 10 interviews we've done so far, and the information, that we, it seems to me that there's a plethora of organizations or, uh, or, or institutions, uh, you know, involved in trying to help people in the, who, who are battling their addiction. Do you see without naming any names are there people out there who are trying or taking trying to take advantage of this what i mean is they're setting up shops somewhere where they say we, hey we can help with your addiction problem call us at blah 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 and essentially they have no qualifications whatsoever other than it's just a marketing skill that they have is this becoming a problem do you see that no names i don't need that because i don't need the deposition but <laughs> There are always opportunists who take advantage of desperate situations. And we do see people like that in the field. Hopefully, um, they will be called out and and found out. Um, But I believe for the most part, people that work in this field are genuinely trying to help other people. And I think that given the right education and, like Joe said, forming coalitions and pulling communities together so that they have a greater understanding of what's going on 
and that the a disease becomes destigmatized so people feel comfortable coming forward and asking for help. I think that will help a lot. He had uh, Joe had mentioned earlier that they need to throw more money at this. Mm-hmm. I, I believe wholeheartedly that the, the state of Florida is trying really hard at this point to, to start helping people. I don't know that, 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 that that's always been the focus, but I think it is now. And, and I think that we're on the right path. Professional soccer coaches will tell you you can't be a great soccer coach unless you played soccer, unless you, I mean, played professional soccer. Mm-hmm. Is it your observation that the only, that the best people who can deal with drug addiction are people who were who had this problem before? Both of you were had had this addiction problem before. Is that or? Well, I can talk from personal experience. When I was in treatment, every all the counselors except one were people in long term recovery, and the woman that was not in recovery, she could have told me the sky was blue, and I would not have believed her. But if the other counselors, the ones that were in the recovery process themselves, mm-hmm. whatever they told mm-hmm. me, I took to be God's truth. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling, uh, at least from my experience over the years, that people that are seeking recovery, they relate better to people who have been there, who have walked that walk, right. who know the know this, the, the story and what it's like. They're going to relate better to them. You have children? Yes. Uh, man, how old? I have a 30-year-old son and a 29-year-old son. Um, I don't want to go there, but how, how, do you, how, how did you talk to them about this particular problem? Because we hear that as well from parents that I don't know what to say to my kids. I don't know. I, I don't want my kids going down a particular road. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I have the capacity to, you know, you can't just say no, no, no. You know how children are. As soon as you say no, 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 they say, well, I'm going to try, try, try. So how do you communicate with children to avoid this particular problem, or try to at least? Well, I believe uh, from personal experience, I have a son, he's 34, and, you know, I, we certainly shared our story, uh, not in specific terms, but in general, how our lives unfolded. And uh, so he was quite aware because we always were involved with uh, a large number of people that also attended mutual aid groups. So there was a constant community of people that were coming in and out that uh, were seeking recovery. But, however, he experimented uh, when he when he you know got a little older. He had a, you know trouble with marijuana and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if he didn't have the gene or not. But he's not. It, he never went and pursued it. Although he knew the information, did that stop him? I doubt it. I think it's just you're born with it or you're not. Very good. All right. Once again, race program, race project, excuse me, R-A-S-E. R-A-S-E stands for? Recovery, Advocacy, Service, and Empowerment. Give me a couple of minutes just to tell the audience once again what you do. And if people are looking for services or if they're looking for help, they can contact you, of course. Just just explain them once again what you're all up to. So currently um, in our Osceola County program, we operate what's called the MARS program, and that stands for Medication Assisted Recovery Services. So uh, for people who are being prescribed the medication Suboxone, which is a medication prescribed for people who are uh, addicted to opioids, we um, will work with them to help them learn that there's more to recovery than just using a medication, mm-hmm. but we can also uh, help them purchase their medication. We work with people who don't have insurance and who are indigent, um, the working poor, anyone like that. Um, and we 
uh, do recovery planning with them. We interface with their outpatient provider, with their doctors. We do urinalysis testing. We count their medication to make sure they're not diverting it uh, and that they're taking it as prescribed. And we help them develop the resources and the coping skills and the techniques so that they can become successful and productive people. Can I ask a, a question? What, you know, because some states have moved forward on, I don't want to say move forward, have passed legal, you know, they've legalized marijuana, possession of marijuana. Some come closer to decriminalizing marijuana. Do you have any thoughts about this one way or the other? I don't. I, I don't either. It's, no. Yeah, it's just. I believe it's already out there. It's already in the process of being used. It's only a matter of time before state and federal government legalize right. it so they okay. can, you know, profit from it. We wish you all the best of luck and uh, thank you for thanks the work for, you're thanks doing. for help. You know, yeah, once again, certainly thank you for all the great work you're doing in Central Florida and thanks for helping us. That we're just trying to get some kind of a handle on on this on this crisis in Central Florida and let the people and the let the audience know that it's it exists out there and let's just try to get a handle on this and you know turn it around somehow. Thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you for having us. You got it. That's uh, Denise Holden and Joe D with the Race Project. That's R A S E. Joe D, one more time, a telephone number. Come on. 407-518-1094-201 Hilda Street, across from the Florida Hospital. There you go. Thanks very much. Have a wonderful afternoon. We may have you back in the future as well. Thanks a lot. It's the Phillips File, a Wednesday edition on Real Radio 104.1.